Ion 2020 episode 332. President of the United States, the authority is total. The authority is total. The authority is total. Uh, we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. In, in an empire lies, the truth is treason. The truth is treason. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought by the military-industrial complex. By the military-industrial complex. I don't know about you, but I am always dealing with these clueless people on the internet and in my daily life, and I was looking to learn how to defend libertarianism. And if you're in that same position, you want to learn how to defend libertarianism advocate for a free market and win any political or economic debate, then you need to join Liberty Classroom. That's Tom Wood's Liberty Classroom. And you could do that by going to iontheempire.com slash liberty. If you do that, you'll be able to earn the equivalent of a PhD in libertarian thought and free market economics online for just 24 cents a day. That's amazing. Once again, go to iontheempire.com slash liberty. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, your host of ION 2020, looking at the news and the things that are going on from a libertarian perspective all over the America and all over the world. So the biggest news of the day, as you guys clearly know, is the Amy Coney Barrett uh, hearings that are going on right now in the Senate. And they are, what they do is, and if, if you don't understand like the way that it goes down, the president nominates somebody to the Supreme Court, and then at that point, the Senate has to confirm that person. They have to get 51 votes in order to confirm that person, a majority. Uh, in this case, it'll have to be 50, because obviously Vice President Pence will go ahead and uh, be the 51st vote if it's like evenly split. You have to get 51 votes. And right now, the biggest contention is the fact that it's, you know, three weeks from the election day, uh, Donald Trump nominated her about two or three weeks ago, and now they're going through the whole process, and supposedly by like next week on Thursday or so, or maybe next week on Wednesday, they'll have a uh, final vote on her and then go ahead and nominate her, or go ahead and uh, confirm her to be in the uh, su- Supreme Court of the United States. So that's a big deal. You know, that's somebody that's going to be there for the rest of their life. In the Constitution, those people, they're there for the rest of their lives except for, you know, unless they get kicked out somehow or retire. Uh, I guess the Senate can go ahead and if that person is just completely a bad person, I don't know if it's ever happened, I haven't really look, looked into it, but they can go ahead and get that person uh, removed from their seat. But in this case, uh, it's just, it's controversial because it's an election year and people have already started voting. And that's the biggest fit that the Democrats are making on this thing is that it's just being rammed through, which clearly it is just being rammed through. Um, clearly it's a political thing. Clearly Donald Trump wants to get his person in there. That's pretty much why people feel comfortable that they've elected Donald Trump is because he's been somebody that's going to put people into 
the Supreme Court who are originalists, people who go by the text of the Constitution and vote and and you know judge accordingly. They're not voting; they're judging accordingly. And there's nine Supreme Court justices. Right now, there's eight. And if he, if Donald Trump has a six-three majority for what they would call conservative judges, then that's going to be a good thing. Now, there's some that are more conservative than others, but and then there's some that are just kind of in the middle ground as well. But there's you know a couple liberal judges, there's a couple really conservative judges, but everyone else is sort of in the middle. And Donald Trump's goal is to get a person. you know, into the Supreme Court who is going to be an originalist, a textualist, somebody who follows the Constitution and goes by the uh, original meaning of the Constitution is what that means. So in my mind, my feeling on it is that when you're going to nominate someone to a judge seat, I would think that you would want somebody who is an originalist. I would think that you would want somebody who looks at the text of the Constitution and the text of other statues and laws that have been passed throughout history, looks at the original meaning of those, and then tries to figure out or tries to interpret it from that point of view so that you can get an understanding of if a statue or a law is constitutional. Other people talk about this idea that the Constitution is a living document and that you should interpret it from today and how we would look at it today. And I'm not, I, I'm not too familiar with the way that these two different judicial philosophies are. But if somebody writes something a hundred years ago, you would assume that you're going to take that meaning and apply it today, even though words may have changed and so forth. Uh, that's my assumption. I would want somebody who is going to err on the side of the people that wrote it because they're the ones that dealt with the problem originally. And that that's a huge stink within the Democrat party as, you know, right now is they're trying to really pin her down on certain things. For example, and I think it's really for example, yes, let me just go ahead with this. For example, right now, like the main line of question that you're getting, so it's literally been three days of questioning of this lady. And it's it's two and a half days until they realized that if they give her some hypothetical, you know, scenario, like, well, okay, so if you're in this situation where you were confronted with a case where there was a kid who came, or an 18-year-old that came before you, and they said that you were, that they were being discriminated against about their race and voting... How would you go ahead and uh, and decide? And she says, I can't go with hypo- hypotheticals. You guys keep giving me these hypothetical scenarios, and I'm not going to answer those because it is improper for me to do that. And it actually goes back to uh, the person that she's replacing, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that came up with this philosophy back in 1991 when she was being confirmed, and the idea was no hints, no forecasts, no previews rule, is what they call it. And the idea is that you're not going to talk about a case that can possibly be brought in front of you, because unless you've already spoken about it in the past, you're not going to come up with, 
that you're not going to speak about hypothetical cases. And the reason why is because then you're pinned down down the road in order, or then you're pinned down down the road to, you know, judge a certain way, but also it signals to other people what type of cases they should bring to you. And the idea is that you're not going to have any hints and no forecasts and no previews of how you would rule on specific issues because of that. Because you're not going to, because people are going to start looking to find cases that they can bring in front of you at that point. And they're going to tailor their cases accordingly and, and so forth. And you don't want to be in that position. And also you don't want to be in the position that you've already judged on something because then you don't look like you are taking into account all of the facts of the situation. And Amy Kimley Barrett, she did say in certain things like, you know, during a case, she has changed her mind from her original feelings about something. And then over time, during the presentation of a case, she has changed her her decision based upon conversations with other judges, based upon the facts, based upon other, you know, um, what would you call it? The other cases in the past that have, that, that have been decided, she's changed her mind because of that. So that's just the thing that judges typically do. And you don't, so anyway, the Democrats for the last two and a half days, it's been three days now of these, uh, of this confirmation. It started on Monday and Monday was literally this grandstanding act. It would basically be Democrats grandstanding and then Republicans grandstanding and Democrats saying, if you get nominated, you're going to make it so that, um, people can discriminate on voting. You're going to end abortion. You're going to make abortion illegal. You're going to take away women's health care and their rights to reproductive rights. You're going to end contraception. You're going to, what was the other stuff that they're, they've been digging her on? There's other ones like, um, ah, trying to think of specifics, but anyway, so they just kept on grandstanding on these ideas that she's somehow a racist and that she's going to end people's voting rights, that she's some sort of person who wants to end, um, abortion. And maybe personally she has specific views, but it doesn't sound like she's trying to litigate from the bench. She doesn't sound like she's trying to, uh, bring these things up to court. You know, the voting rights thing, they kept on pressing her on that. And it's just, um, and I could see two sides of the story on the voting thing. And the reason why is because she did, she did, um, she was the dissenting opinion on one case where there was a gentleman who was convicted of a felony. He served a year in prison and got out. And then he brought a case to the Supreme Court eventually that said, or not to the Supreme Court, to her court. And it's, and the idea was that he should have gun rights back. And the reason why is because, um, he was convicted of a felony, but it wasn't a violent felony. So he wanted to get his gun rights back. And she was a dissenting opinion on that. And her, her opinion was that everybody has rights and some rights are not more than others. So if somebody has the right to freedom of speech, freedom of religion in the first amendment, and you have the right to due process and you have the right to 
other things then. All those things in the Bill of Rights are rights. Some rights are not more prominent than others. So if you get out of prison, you should get all of your rights back. All of those rights back. And they should not be able to keep you from having a gun. Unless, of course, the government can prove, beyond a shadow of doubt, through, you know, through going to courts and stuff like that, that you are a, you know, a violent criminal and somebody that should not have a gun. And she voted in favor of this guy. She says, yeah, I think that he should be able to have his gun rights back because there's no secondary rights. Those are primary rights. And I thought that was, I think that's a great opinion on that because I do think that people should have the right. I mean, you served your time. You got out of prison. You are a upstanding citizen or a decent citizen or even an okay citizen, whatever. And you should have the ability to go get a, go get a weapon. So they kept on pressing her on that. And that was on the voting rights thing. And this is what they said. And I, they kind of um, twisted her words around because they said, well, why shouldn't that person have the right, or why should that person, or I guess her opinion stated somewhere that they interpreted it as that um, voting rights are not the same as the amendments, and that somebody that's convicted of a felony should get their voting rights back as well, and they kept on coming back to that, saying that she was against voting rights. And she came back to it and says, well, in the 14th Amendment, it does allude to the fact that some, that they can take away the right to vote based upon somebody being a convicted felon. I'm not sure if that's, I mean, that, that's a thing that's up to the states as well. I guess I think that generally people should have their voting rights back if they've served their time and if they're, you know, you know come, come out of the system and now they've paid the debts to society. But I don't think that she had that opinion, but that's what they... That's what they kept on saying is that she believed that. And she says, well, no, that's not what I wrote. That's not, I'm not going to, I don't have a specific opinion on that because that's not what it, what I was implying. But she was elusive on a, a lot of things. And the reason why she would come off as elusive during all these questionings is simply because they kept giving her hypotheticals and that is not her intention to, was not her intention to, um, to expound upon hypotheticals, to, to give them answers to hypotheticals. So it's really hard to watch, but I listened to it pretty much all day today and all day because I record on Wednesday night. I'm sorry. So, um, I listened to it all day, Tuesday, all day, Wednesday, when I'm driving my car, I was just listening to it. And on Monday, I listened to it for about maybe an hour, but the Monday was just grandstanding. There was no questioning of her. It was just every single senator, I think it was, must have got 10 or 15 minutes to basically spout off what the, like, the the Republicans are like, oh, how great this is, and how wonderful you are, and you're a great person, and all that stuff. I mean, doing what they do. And then the Democrats were all, the entire day Monday, if you got nominated, or the this is what they were saying. If you get nominated, you're going to end, you know, woman's right to choose. You're going to end voting rights. You're going to lock people up. You're going to be completely biased in all of your views, da, 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 da. And by the way, this is a political affair. They're rushing this thing through in the midst of a pandemic that's killed 200,000 people. And you're going to end Obamacare or the ACA, you know, um, Affordable Care Act, which is Obamacare. You're going to end Obamacare and all this stuff, like, 
And the only reason why you were appointed is because of that. And then when she finally got a chance to answer some of those claims, though, she was like, listen, I am not here to say that I'm going to end Obamacare. I'm not here to say that. Um, I will look at the facts and then judge accordingly, you know? Um, so it's interesting what's going on right now. But I think she's going to get nominated. And, and my general opinion is this. We have a constitution in the United States, right? Obviously, being a libertarian, I tend to lean towards you know, less government, limited government. Obviously, our government does way too much. And if I had it my way in the ideal world, you know, the government would do so little that you wouldn't even know that it's there. And then we can even talk about at that point, the anarchist's idea, which is eliminate, you know, that type of government altogether, whatever that, that, you know, utopian world is never going to get there. So I always say, and you guys know this, if you listen to the show long enough, yeah, let's argue about those things when we get to the point where we're not arguing about, you know, whether we should have social security or whatever, you know, like let's argue about that when we argue, when we get done arguing about the national debt, that's $26 trillion. When we get rid of that, when we've limited the government so much, then we can talk about who's going to build the roads. But for now, the government's building the roads. And most people agree that the government should build the roads. Let's attack the, this entire bureaucracy, this massive government that we have from, a, from, from where we can start, you know? And that's talking about limited government. I always say that. And the, f- the way that the government set, is set up right now, we have like, doing so much. So let's start talking about unconstitutional laws then. Is Obamacare unconstitutional? Well, the only reason why it was declared to be constitutional is because Chief Justice John Roberts said, well, the Obamacare mandate, it's not a mandate from the Congress that says that you have to buy it. No, it's a tax levied on the American people by Congress. It's a tax. So if somebody doesn't have it, well, then they're taxed. And that's the only reason why that individual mandate stood. So let's talk about taking apart the government. Let's have people who are originalists in that particular part, you know, that branch of the government. Because there's three branches of the government. You got the legislative, executive, and the judicial. And the executive, or the, excuse me, the legislative branch obviously is spending trillions upon trillions of dollars that they don't have and passing bills that are spending so much money and passing budgets that are not balanced, and they're completely out of control. So that that check is gone. The two parties own those two branches of government, right? The Republicans in the legislature are not sitting there making it so that there's less spending going on. Neither of the two parties do that. The Republicans spend just as much as the Democrats. Nobody wants to take away anything from the people who have their hands out and collecting it. That's just the way it is. And then the executive branch is always pushing for more money because it's in their best interest. How do you get reelected? You promise people free stuff. So I'm okay with somebody who's an originalist, somebody who would actually strike something down as unconstitutional. I'm okay with that. I mean, that's the, that's the first stop in limiting the government 
is getting things in front of the courts that we they can decide that are unconstitutional. Obamacare. Is that unconstitutional? Absolutely. People used to think that Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, those things were unconstitutional. Nobody's challenged that lately. I mean, those are handouts that people depend upon, though. But we can figure that out. I mean, there's people way smarter than me that understand all of the different things that the government does that they can bring in front of a court who is, who's going to interpret things a certain way. Now there's certain things that are never going to go away, though. There's certain things that the government does that, you know, I mean, the government never gets smaller. That's a fact. But I think, I mean, my personal feeling on Amy Coney Barrett is, the fa- is the, that it's a good thing to have somebody who's going to look at the original text of certain statutes and laws and then interpret them accordingly. I think that's a great thing. And hopefully uh, she is confirmed And just because, I mean, just looking at her, she's a very sharp, she's very sharp as well. The meme, I don't know if you've seen it going around, but it's just a picture of her. And they asked her, they said, hey, you know, let me see your notes. Let me see all the, you know, the stack of notes that you have right now. She pulls up a blank piece of paper. And is like, I don't need it, you know? And the fact of the matter is, is that's how you know someone is generally honest. Because they don't need notes and they don't need other people telling them what to do. And they don't need to shuffle through this and shuffle through that to figure out the, what the right response is. If you have dealt with dealt honestly in your life, then you don't need notes to talk. You don't need to check your facts. Because you've dealt relatively honestly in your life. That's my feeling when I saw that. But you see that meme going around and everyone's like posting little things on, or words on, on that piece of paper that she held up, but I think that's just interesting, interesting little fact, you know, and then all of the, can't, all of these, um, people, I mean, obviously the Republicans are just giving us softball questions, they're not really challenging her or anything like that, it's like a PR stunt for her when the Republicans are doing their 20 minutes of talking and questioning, like, oh, tell me about your kids, oh, tell, you know, why did you adopt, and what school did you go to, what was your favorite subject, what was your favorite thing that you teach at Notre Dame, this, like, stupid, idiotic questions that don't really get to the heart of the matter of how she's going to judge and stuff like that. Now, there was some stuff that was, you know, just trying to figure out her, the reason why she does certain judicial things, and the reason why she became a textualist, and all that, an originalist, But a lot of these, the Democrats, they're just trying to get her into gotcha questions, you know? Gotcha questions. Like Kamala Harris, for example, obviously she's running for, for the, on the presidential ticket. She's running with Joe Biden. So she's doing her whole grandstanding thing. And she's talking about how, you know, Donald Trump is against people having health care and he wants to kill grandmas and all this crap, you know? And then she's trying to get all these little gotcha questions into Amy Coney Barrett. So she says, she has one line of questioning today when I was listening, and she says, uh, so do you believe that COVID-19 is contagious? And Amy Coney Barrett kind of was like, yeah, it's clearly contagious. You know, and then uh, Kamala Harris says, oh, okay. Then she says, do you believe that smoking causes cancer? And Amy Coney Barrett's like, I know where you're going. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this right now, but I don't see how this has any relevance to how I'm going to act on, on, you know, when I'm a judge in the Supreme Court. 
And then she, and you know, Kamala Harris in her condescending way that she always does is like, listen, just answer the question. You can either answer it or not or whatever. Like, it's just that whole condescending thing that she does. And then Amy Coney Barrett's like, yeah, sure. You know, obviously it says it on the side of every pack of cigarettes that's sold in America that, you know, tobacco, smoking tobacco is known to cause cancer. And then she says, oh, well then, do you believe that global warming is real? And then Amy Coney Barrett is like, she's like, um, I'm, that is a issue that is hotly debated in that it's a political debate that's going on right now, and it's not something I'm going to answer because something like, you know, she, she goes back to the no hints, no forecast, no preview rule. And then Kamala Harris says, oh, okay, so I have it on your record that it's a debatable subject then. And it totally takes her, t- it takes it back, and they're just trying to get these little gotcha questions in there that are going to allow them to use that against her in some future way or make the people think that, oh, she's just trying to avoid questions or whatever. It's really interesting the way they do it, but a lot of the politicians were doing that. And I think that she was really smart and she did not get locked down too much on it. But I guess if you watch MSNBC, they'll have a completely different take. I don't know. I'm sure Fox News is just praising the hell out of her because that's what they do, obviously. As for me, I just think it's good that there's going to be somebody who is going to be an originalist you know, somebody who would do that, who is going to be originalist, a textualist, and so forth. The only challenge that I have is that if something like gay marriage, is she going to get into a situation where, you know, if there was a case that came in front of her, would she put her religious views in the forefront and try to change policy because of that? Like, for example, gay marriage, maybe personally she doesn't believe that gay people should get married or whatever, or I don't know. I I could not see her talking about, you know, getting rid of voting rights and stuff like that for black people and and allowing racism to run rampant or something like that. The lady has two black kids and clearly that is just fear mongering at its best. But the one that you always wonder is would these people legislate from the bench from like a religious views from religious views and so forth, and I don't get the feeling that she would, but who knows? But then again, think about it like this, though. Like the whole whole debate that goes on around bake the cake and making a Christian person bake a gay wedding cake, you know, a, a wedding cake for gay people. Like, in that world, as a libertarian, we would typically say, well... Because this is the the whole gay wedding cake thing. Let me explain it to you really fast. Like the there was a group of or there was like a a gay couple that brought this thing to court that said that this Christian baker would not bake them a cake. But they went to literally about fifteen or twenty places that said yes they would bake the cake. But they were looking for somebody who would not bake a cake for them because they wanted to bring a lawsuit against that person. And that is judicial activism at its best. That is finding a reason to sue somebody and then destroying their lives in some ways because they said, no, I don't, that person said, no, I don't want to bake a cake that's going to have, you know, that's for a gay wedding. I Like, should that person have the right to say no? 
And that was the issue. And then they would say, like the, de- the, the Democrats, and a lot of people actually, would say, yes, that person should not have the right to say no. That person should be forced to bake a cake for a gay wedding. From a libertarian perspective, I mean, obviously that person's a douchebag and shouldn't, and, and you know, maybe if, the, if people wanted to put signs or, you know, go into a public area and protest in front of that building, that's fine. This guy's a bigot or whatever. This guy hates gay people or whatever. That's fine. But to have the government force that person to bake a cake for somebody who they didn't want to bake a cake for generally that's not freedom that's the that's the that's my feeling on it but i think that that is going to end up at the supreme court sometime if it hasn't already you know ended up at the supreme court and most i would imagine conservative judges would say you know i'm going to rule in in favor of the person's freedom to not bake the cake and then a lot of the liberal judges would say well no they should the government should force them to bake a cake well I'm not for force, guys, you know? And that's not a religious thing. That is not this Christian guy being persecuted or whatever. I mean, generally, that is a persecution against that person. Forcing somebody to do something against their will should not be done. So, I mean, but I think Amy Coney Barrett probably... I don't know how she... I mean, she wasn't really giving hypotheticals, but um, that's the place where I'm concerned, though, is, like, if they were going to try to overturn, like, you know, the ability for you know, two gay people to get married or something like that. Uh, I don't, I don't really, you know, see that happening though. It doesn't seem like something that's going to happen to me, but, um, anyway, that's all I got for you guys on this. Uh, I appreciate those that continue to listen to the show, man. The numbers go up weekly. I've had two record weeks in a row for the listenership. So I appreciate you that you continue to share the show with your friends that you continue to, you know, uh, not just share the show, but you're giving five-star ratings, you're giving reviews and so forth. Uh, maybe on Facebook, if you're a member of our group, or not the group, but the uh, Facebook page, whenever I post a show, you share it with your friends as well, or share some of the articles that I'm posting as well. I appreciate you doing that. It is growing the listenership, so thank you. Um, the other thing is, is if you want to give a five-star review, I'd certainly appreciate that. Um, if you want to follow the show, you can do that on IonTheEmpire.com. You can follow the us on Facebook and on Twitter as well, just by typing in Eye on the Empire, okay? Uh, We are getting close to the election, guys. It's three weeks away, so keep your uh, ears tuned in for any news and things that go on with the election, all right? Uh, I will talk about the Hunter Biden thing as I know more about it. That kind of came out today. Uh, Hunter Biden had some stuff happen where, I guess, his computer was found, which I don't even know if that's true. I, I don't know if it's been confirmed or anything like that, but supposedly they found a computer that it was dropped off at a, at some, uh, computer fix, like, sort of fixed computers and like that, and he, he had some really incriminating stuff about, you know, Ukraine or whatever, I don't know if it's true, they'll, that more will come out by Monday, so come on back on Monday then, all right, and you can have clear vision for 2020.